0: Welcome to Canada's Most Irreverent Talk Show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North.
1: Coming up, how Justin Trudeau's gun ban is not just an attack on gun owners, but also on common sense. And Rod Giltaka of the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights joins me. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Andrew Lawton Show. You're tuned in to Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. And one of these episodes where I've got to say, I hate being right. I knew the day after, not because I'm a brilliant political mind, but just because the Liberals made it so painfully obvious, the day after the Halifax massacre a couple of weeks ago, that it was going to give Justin Trudeau and the Liberals the political cover they need, or they think they need anyway, to advance a massive gun grab. And again, this is not something that was all that thinly veiled, or even veiled at all, because the Liberals have been trying to do a massive expansion of Canadian gun control since they took office in 2015, and they decided to make it a bit of an election issue so that they can turn around now and say what they were saying on Friday when they unveiled this ban, which is that they supposedly have a mandate to do it. Now, I want to say from the outset here, I am a gun owner, I've talked about it before, I'm a proud gun owner, I know that a lot of you aren't. And some of the things that I'm going to be talking about this show are going to be in the weeds, gun nerd, gun geek kind of things. I'm going to just tell you right out of the gate that's going to happen. But a lot of, I think, the overarching themes here, if you're not a gun owner, you don't care about guns, or even if you don't like guns. In fact, I'd say especially if you don't like guns, I want you to have a listen to this episode. I want you to listen to all the shows, but this one in particular, because I, I'm going to walk people through as best as I can the problems with this political politically, the problems with it culturally, and I think where Canadians have gone wrong on this issue. And it's not just the Liberals' fault, it's also the media's fault. And I I think it's a lot of individual Canadians' fault, if if I'm going to be playing the blame game. But I'm going to try not to be. But if you're not a gun person, I don't want you to think that because I'm talking about guns a lot, that this isn't an episode for you. I think, if anything, we need to start looking at the attack on gun owners from last week as being an attack on rights in general, not just an attack on one particular hobby, a particular sport, a particular way of life, whatever it is. So that's what we're going to do here. I'm going to be talking later on with Rod Giltaka, who's the head of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. We're also going to be going through some of the clips from the announcement on Friday when basically the Liberal government announced that 1,500 varieties of firearms were overnight illegal. With the stroke of a pen, not through the parliamentary process, not through any sort of legislative review, but just by order and counsel banned. Now, the generous and gracious and benevolent uh, liberals have, of course, given us two years of amnesty in which then it will be something that will throw us away to jail. But for now, it is still illegal with that amnesty period, and we'll talk about these details. But here's what I want to say first. This is an attack on rights because it is so desperately against what the Liberals have claimed their MO is on policy, which is that evidence-based policy. You've heard them say it time and time again, evidence-based policy, evidence-based decision making, all of this. The evidence does not support what the Liberals are doing here. In fact, the evidence opposes it altogether. You know that criminals don't care about guns. This is not a new concept. It's not a radical concept. But it is interesting that when Justin Trudeau was speaking, he gave specific mention to the Halifax killer as though that somehow justified what it is that he was pushing for. Take a watch at that clip.
0: Last week, 22 Canadians were killed in the deadliest rampage in our country's history. They were nurses and teachers, correctional officers and RCMP officers. They were someone's child, someone's best friend, someone's partner. Their families deserve more than thoughts and prayers. Canadians deserve more than thoughts and prayers.
1: So his rationale is that these mass shootings have happened in Canadian history. Yes, they have. It's horrific. It's evil. The one in Nova Scotia area, I say Halifax. I'm sorry. I know it's not Halifax. But the Nova Scotia killing was one that really holds the honor, if you can say something like that, of being the most fatal and deadly in Canadian history which is just absolutely terrible that any of these things have happened it's also terrible to blame specific guns and to in many ways abrogate the responsibility that the particular killers had in these cases going back to 1989 with the massacre at L'école Polytechnique and all of the ones since then including yes the Nova Scotia killing spree and when Justin Trudeau talks about that as being an example of anything. He's proving that he is just making things up on the spot. That killer, and we talked about this on the show last week, did not have a gun license. He did not use legal firearms. So this ban of so-called 1500 types of firearms uh, doesn't actually mean anything to someone who already was not lawfully entitled to own them and had ignored the law or circumvented the law to get his hands on guns. And we know that this guy had multiple guns, the specific models haven't yet been revealed, although Bill Blair did say that the ones he had were on the list, so the ones he had were on the list, but that proves the point, that absolutely proves the point, that if this ban had been in place three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, it wouldn't have made a difference because the guy already went around the Canadian government's approved mechanism for acquiring firearms. If anything, what the Nova Scotia killing demonstrates is that the gun control regime in Canada is fairly strict, but you cannot stop someone who has evil motivations from going to pursue those through some other means than what the government thinks is possible. So the risk with gun control can in some cases be inverse because it lulls people into a false sense of security that, oh, criminals can't get their hands on firearms. And what's interesting here is that for all the times that Canadians have looked to the U.S. and said, oh, well, we're not like them. They have the guns. They have the gun culture. They have all these mass shootings and we don't. The interesting thing is that now all of those people are effectively trying to say that things are terrible in Canada. All these people who haven't hesitated to dunk on the U.S. and almost be giddy when there's a mass shooting in the United States are now saying, oh my goodness, it's horrific in Canada. You can get machine guns and you can get missile launchers and rocket launchers and grenade launchers and you can get Sherman tanks and you can get those Harrier jets and you can get all of these things. When I'm like, well, wait, you've been claiming the moral high ground against the U.S. for years, saying that they have those guns and we don't, and now all of a sudden there's an AR-15 on every street corner and it's gunning down people. You can't even go to the grocery store without dodging bullet fire. That's basically the rationale from the police de souviens people and a lot of the gun control advocates that now include the liberal government. So there's a contradiction in this that I don't think anyone is pointing out, except for me. And I'm not saying that again because I'm all that smart, but just because no one in the mainstream media is asking, by and large, the questions here because the people in the mainstream media don't have the firearms knowledge and firearms understanding. So a couple of points that I want to raise. First off, this 1500 thing. It's not 1500 guns. And in fact, over uh, Twitter on the weekend, there was a, a little bit of mockery ensuing because people saw on the list, there were actually URLs. So AR15.com, AR15 Chatterbox, which is a Facebook group, Uh, AR15.com. Again, there were a few variations. And people thought that this was actually uh, just this ridiculous example of government incompetence because websites ended up on the list. And and as it so happened, that website, AR15.com, had released a couple of not even models, but stamped parts where on uh, one of the lower receivers, it would stamp the website URL or on the Facebook group, it would stamp that. And they only sold Jen Gerson from formerly of the National Post figured this out. They only sold like three or four dozen of these guns. Like they were not actually a mass produced model, but that was enough to get it on the banned list in Canada. So in, in any case, I think it's sign of government incompetence for a different reason. It's not that they put things that aren't even guns on the list, it's that they were so insistent on claiming that there are 1,500 assault rifle types that you can get in Canada uh, as of two weeks ago that you can't get today, that they were just putting anything they could think of. It would be like if, for whatever reason, the government wanted to ban the Ford Focus. And they say, we're banning the Ford Focus. It's been used in in so many uh, crimes, so many issues. We're banning it. And the list they give is the Ford Focus, the Ford Focus SE, the Ford Focus ZX, the Ford Focus ME, the Ford Focus LE. And then under these, they they subdivide and say, oh, no, no, the Ford Focus ZX with the, uh, double spoiler, the Ford Focus ZX with the red paint, with the green paint, with the yellow paint, And they're trying to make it look like things are bad in Canada and so bad in Canada that when you read this, you're like, oh my, I I had no idea how many machine guns there were or fully automatic guns. And that is not what's happening. There are really nine core firearm types that are on there. Most of them are non-restricted. The most notable of them are the Mini 14, which is a great rifle that many people use for hunting. It's great for sport shooting as well. And the AR-15, which is one of the most popular semi-automatic firearms in North America. Now, we don't have a huge track record of violence in Canada in general. The, the fact that you could rhyme off most of the country's mass shootings, well, all of them are terrible is indicative that we have gun violence under control here. The gun problems we do have, by and large, are from gang violence and inner city issues, which is why the chiefs of police and police departments say that gun control isn't going to do anything. It's illegal handguns that are being smuggled across the border. It's not anything else. So what's fascinating here is that the AR-15, which is probably the most vilified gun for reasons that don't really make sense, is used. And yeah, has been used in horrific acts of violence in the U.S. But I've mentioned this point before and it bears repeating. The reason why you see the AR-15 used in more shootings is not because the AR-15 is a deadlier gun. It's not because it's more dangerous than the Mini-14 or other semi-automatic firearms. It may look more menacing and look more scary. The reason it's used in more shootings than other guns is because it's more popular That it's that simple. You know, if there are more Ford focuses on the road, it stands to reason you're going to see more Ford focuses in car crashes. I don't know if you do, but I'm saying that if there are more of something, it's more likely just as a matter of statistics for you to see these things represented in stats and in samples. And that delusion that a lot of people on the left have that if you were to just take the gun control laws and carve a line around individual guns that that's A, going to carve a line around all guns and B, that it's going to take away the motivation that someone had to commit a crime. I don't think you have any mass shooters that are thinking, hmm, uh, you know, I'm ready to do this and I want that AR-15. Oh, I can't, all right, done. That sucks, yeah, no, I really wanted to do that, but but I can't anymore. No, they say, all right, well, I'll get the thing that I can't. And in some cases, it is a stolen gun. In other cases, it's an illegally smuggled gun. In other cases, it's a knife or a car or a rented van. So this gun control delusion, this utopian society where if you just take away the, the, the very surface level tool... That someone's desire to commit a crime disappears and goes away and then they just start, you know, devoting their life to singing show tunes instead is just so asinine. And I'm not making light of something serious here. I'm showing how dangerous the gun control proponent mindset is on these sorts of issues because they honestly believe that you can legislate these problems away. They believe you can legislate these problems away, and you just can't. Because for years, people thought that that happened in Canada, and still a Nova Scotia killing happens. Still La Loche happens. Still Moncton, New Brunswick happens. Still uh, Nathan Cirillo and Patrice Vincent, Parliament Hill 2014, it happened. So you can do anything and everything, and you can never get down to zero. But the problem is, is that that number being anything other than zero is what gives a lot of politicians that want to take your rights, the moral and political cover to do so. And this is what's happening with gun control. So the liberals want you to believe that you are living in a war zone right now and you just aren't. You just aren't. No one's feeling unsafe. No one in standard suburban Canada or even urban Canada, I'd say, by and large, with the exception of maybe a few pockets, is thinking, you know what? I'm worried about getting gunned down every time I leave my house. It, and if you meet one of those people, please let me know and I'll have them on the show because I want to talk about this. And it's a, completely irrational. And what the Liberals are doing is fomenting this fear that is misplaced in Canada. Because, And I, I don't even want to talk about the U.S. gun control regime right now because we are in Canada and all we can control is Canada's approach to guns. But in Canada, we have gotten a good handle on it. And there are a lot of issues in the the mechanisms that we have here that don't have anything to do with safety. For example, the idea that you need to get a piece of paper to uh, bring your gun from home to the range and back. And, and I know that this was a change that the Harper government put in where it was part of your license, which made sense. But the liberals fought that. The liberals said, no, you need to have authorization from the government to pick up your guns from home and go to the gun range or to move or to do one of these other things. And the liberals, again, they, they blatantly lied when this happened. They said, well, you know, if if you don't have that requirement, then someone could just pick up their guns and go to the Eaton Center and and shoot people like someone did there a few years ago. And, And that wasn't true. That wasn't true at all. What it meant is that people who have been vetted, who have been approved, who are lawfully owning guns, who are using them for a lawful purpose, don't need to go through an extra step that is only a bureaucratic one, that serves only to embolden the bureaucracy and does nothing for public safety. A lot of the issues as well that are apparent in this new ban on guns are that, you know, you could just have the complete and utter safety looked after because you're approved you're vetted you're licensed but oh this gun which does the same thing as this gun You can own one, but not the other. And that's an example with the Mini-14 and the AR-15. Both are are fundamentally the same gun, same ammunition, same rate of fire. Uh, One is wood stock traditionally. One is black stock. The black is restricted, the AR-15. The brown is non-restricted. The irony, of course, being that you can get the Mini-14 in black stocks because they realize that people want to trick them out and make them look like AR-15s. And one of the biggest sources of pushback on this from people is why why do you need it why do you need it and and you know it's I fear like I'm preaching to the choir here but I also think I need to go through these for people that aren't members of the choir or even the congregation yet it's not about need it is about want and if that sounds petty and that sounds selfish fine but hear me out here we do not have a society based on needs we don't No one has to prove to the government or should have to prove to the government why they want to own a piece of property that is otherwise legal with the exception of firearms. I mean, yeah, you need a driver's license, but for the most part, if I want to go and buy a car, I can buy a car. If I want to go out and buy seven cars, I can buy seven cars. I have to go through a process for it, but no one is there to tell me that I can't. And even if I don't have a license, no one is there to tell me that I can't buy cars and start amassing an arsenal of them. So for most people, they would say that you don't need a firearm. Okay, fine. But some people, and I'd say actually even the liberals right now, aren't even saying that. They're saying, we know that guns are used for hunting. We know they're used for farmers. We know they're used for all of these things. We don't want to go after those things. All we are interested in are these guns that were designed for killing. This is what they say. that The AR-15, the Mini-14, a lot of these semi-automatic rifles had one purpose and one purpose alone, and that is killing people. And that's not true. And if you need proof that it's not true, Look at the liberal exemption to First Nations Canadians, people who are in Indigenous communities are allowed to keep hunting with these things, which proves that the problem is not the gun itself. Proves that the problem is not the gun itself because there are people that are apparently able to have them, which means that to the government, they are acknowledging that yes, some people should have firearms. Some people should have access to firearms and can have access to firearms and it doesn't hurt or threaten anyone if they do. So they've they've undercut their own point and proved that they are abandoning what was the hallmark of their approach to firearms and every other policy, which is evidence-based policy, evidence-based decision-making. And you may remember back in 2014 when the conservative government under Stephen Harper was putting forward gun Easing measures, the liberals said, We can never have a system where politicians are deciding what guns are banned and not police. This is what the liberals said. It was a a big hallmark. They said, No, 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 the conservatives want to take the decision making out of the hands of police and put it in the hands of politicians. And then, funny, when they want to go the other way, when they want to ban things and when they want to strict things, it's not only an order in council that circumvents parliament, but it is also politicians making the decision politicians making the announcement we heard about this from attorney general david lametti justin trudeau the prime minister bill blair the public safety minister christia freeland the deputy prime minister this was entirely announced and enacted by politicians not by the so-called experts that we were supposed to listen to when stephen harper was in power and interestingly enough that's because all of the experts are saying that trudeau is wrong All of the experts are saying that they actually support keeping the gun control measures where they are because it does not solve things. So all of a sudden, when the police happen to disagree with Justin Trudeau, it's, oh, no, no, we got to listen to the politicians, not to the police. In any case, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, more of The Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to The Andrew Lawton Show. I said at the beginning of the show, I want to walk you through where I think things have gone wrong here. And, And one of the, I think, hugest problems in the gun discussion in Canada is that most of the people who are forging the discussion don't actually know much about guns. And there are two reasons for this. Number one, people who have just been raised in cities and have never been exposed to it you can't expect them to know everything. You can't expect them to know the difference between a semi-automatic and a bolt action, a fully automatic and a lever action and all of these things. And that's a, a big problem. And I, I talked about this, if you may remember, I think I played a clip of the video from a different part of the speech back in, when, whenever it would have been, I can't remember, but some months ago, I was in Red Deer, Alberta for a conference and I, I was speaking about the divide between ordinary Canadians and the media. And one of the points that I raised was that the media is, by and large, forged by people from cities, from liberal arts programs at a few universities, and this forms the media. So there is an imbalance in that a lot of the people that are working in newsrooms across the country, even in smaller town newsrooms, by the way, they may have gone there because that was the best job they could get from a big city. So you get people that don't necessarily understand the rural way of life. And I say this as someone who was raised in London, Ontario, but. I've made a point of trying. I I identify more with someone who's from, you know, Bruce County than someone who's from downtown Toronto. And if you know where Bruce County is, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't just think of whatever a rural county is near you. So that's a part of the problem. But the other part is that I think people need to do a better job of getting media aware of guns. And I, I know that some of the gun groups have done this. They've done training workshops, they've done interviews and stuff like that. But one of the things that I'm convinced of is that once someone goes shooting, it will change their outlook on guns. Because once you do it and you realize that it's fun, and if you don't understand it, you start to understand it, that shapes the discussion. Because all of a sudden, you, you it's not inconceivable to you that this community of people want firearms it's not inconceivable to you that there are people that enjoy shooting them and and like shooting them and if you shoot a gun with high recoil and then you shoot an AR-15 and realize oh well that's actually you know not so bad it doesn't rip my shoulder out you understand why certain things have the appeal that they do so I would love to see any reporter that's writing about guns go out to a gun range and if you're a gun owner and you have a relationship with someone invite them out do that And there are a lot of them that will say, no, I don't like guns, I don't want guns, I don't want to touch them. That reveals their bias right there. There are, I think, a lot of people in the middle that would say, yeah, this is an experience I should have if I'm going to write about it. And I think that goes for a lot of things where if you are going to be reporting on something, it would be useful to know a bit more about it. And that's not to say that reporters have to be experts in every subject matter. It's that with firearms coverage, that's when I see the most factual errors in stories. That's where I see the most factual errors in stories. When people are writing about guns that don't exist, they're mistaking semi-automatic and fully automatic. And at Trudeau's press conference on Friday, there was even a reporter, I don't even know who it was, who had asked about this, about, oh, the the automatic firearms that you're banning. And it could have been a misspeak. It could have just been that she meant to say semi-automatic, or it could be that she didn't know the difference. And no one corrected it. No one, certainly not Trudeau, he didn't, in his response, correct it. So the Liberals were saying that mass shootings are more common, that gun violence is normalized. Canadians deserve more than thoughts and prayers. That was the, the core Trudeau message. Christian Freeland said that it's a feminist policy if you want to put gun control forward, because women in abusive homes and domestic violence situations have to fear guns. Uh, you also then have all of the discussions going on about military grade. This is I didn't get to this earlier in the show. The liberals and then the media start reporting it, saying military-grade weapons, which is even worse than assault-style weapons, in that both are untrue. No militaries are using AR-15s and Mini-14s. No militaries are using these. They are civilian market firearms. They're made to look like some law enforcement guns and military-spec guns, but they are made for the civilian market. They don't go fully auto. They aren't assault rifles. But assault rifle is a term that has lost its meaning because the media uses it for guns they don't like. That's the definition of an assault rifle, a gun that the liberals want to ban. And now they've banned assault rifles. They haven't even banned all semi-automatic guns. And I don't want to give them ideas. There was one that I thought would go that I have that didn't get banned. So I'm not even going to mention the name of it. Uh, I have an AR-15. So that's now illegal. And for two years, I can move it only for the purposes of destroying it or turning it into police. And the interesting thing about the AR-15 is that I'm actually moving. My wife and I are moving in a few weeks. And that was not in the order in council listed as an approved usage that you cannot move. That wasn't there. And I was worried. I'm like, well, I have to surrender it just because they won't issue me an ATT. And I reached out to the RCMP about this. Sorry, I reached out to Public Safety Minister Bill Blair about this. And then they kicked me over to the RCMP who I'm very grateful responded right away. And they had said on this, and I'll, I'll read it because I, it, it's just, so criminal quite frankly an individual will not require an authorization to transport as they may transport their firearm device one time to return home with the firearm if it was not at the owner's residence at the time the prohibition came into force. So this means that if your gun is over at Chuck's house, you're allowed to bring it home and only bring it home. But the RCMP continued, this would qualify in the case of a move to a new residence. Under the amnesty, the newly prohibited firearm must be transported by vehicle as long as the route taken is reasonably direct. The firearm must be unloaded with no ammunition present, yada, yada, yada. So I can't, you know, stop for dinner at the way I I can't do all of these things that I might do if I'm driving around the city. But the fact that now, whether I can move from one address to another, as is constitutionally guaranteed, by the way, freedom of movement within Canada, now I have to basically go to the government and say, do I have permission to bring my property that I legally own from one house to the other? And while I was in the short term grateful that, yes, I am allowed to, that I'm not in this hybrid situation where I'm not allowed to bring it to turn it in and I'm not allowed to bring it to the new house. So I guess the people that move into where we live now get to you know keep it as a little welcome present or something. But it's that we have to now ask for permission from the government to do things that we have been approved to do, licensed to do. And this is why it's a rights question this is why it's a question of rights and not a question of safety because no one is made safe by this the the point that stress is repeating here is that this was an illegal act in nova scotia using illegal guns and one reporter by the way asked about this only one reporter asked trudeau about it and that was tom perry from cbc and trudeau completely ignored the answer here was this exchange hi uh, tom perry
0: with cbc uh the shooter in nova scotia was using illegal weapons and A lot of illegal weapons come in from the United States. So why not target those
1: weapons as opposed to going after lawful gun owners?
0: Um, Today we are banning military-style assault weapons in this country. Uh, Weapons that are designed for one purpose and one purpose only. To kill as many people as possible in as short amount of time as possible. Those guns have no place in Canada and the measures we're putting forward uh, will uh, reduce the amount of those guns in Canada, and eventually uh, you'll keep more Canadians safe. Uh, but there is more to do. Uh, there are uh, more uh, measures to take, and we look forward to moving forward on those. And for those, I'll turn it back to uh, Minister Blair.
1: Is, I mean, I know that Justin Trudeau doesn't like answering the questions, but here we are with a, a question that actually, I think, cuts at why this announcement was so inept and so off base, and he completely ignores it. And Bill Blair then chimed in and said, well, you know, I can confirm without saying that the gun this guy used was on the list. But Bill Blair did an interview on the weekend on CTV's question period with Evan Solomon, and he claimed, and I have no idea how he's claiming it, that this ban would have prevented the criminal from going on his killing spree. Take a watch at this.
0: As far as we know, the guns used in the Nova Scotia mass murder were purchased in the U.S. and smuggled here. So to begin with, would this ban that you've introduced had any impact on that situation? And the answer to that is yes, Evan. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, I'm not, not going to discuss it. It's up to the Mounties to, to disclose the weapons uh, and, and their origins in, in the course of their investigation. But I think when that information is available, Canadians will understand its relevance to the to steps we've taken today.
1: I I don't even know how he is twisting whatever it is he's twisting to get there, right? This is like going from point A to point potato, and I have no idea the route that he traveled to get there. Because right now, what the Liberals are doing is fear mongering. They're trying to overinflate the risk of gun violence in Canada. They're trying to muddy the waters by talking about types of guns that are already illegal. You can't get an assault rifle. On this list of banned guns were missile launchers and grenade launchers, things that you couldn't get. And I was kind of marginally disappointed because I'm like, wait, I could have gotten a rocket launcher all this time. No, they were banned as well, but they wanted to pad out this list to make it look like things were more dangerous in Canada than they actually are. And what's worse is that the Liberals were positioning this not as a panacea, But as a first step, Bill Blair said there's much more to do. Justin Trudeau said there's much more to do. And all of us in Canada are going to have to just sit back and wait to see how they expand this further down the road. And we know it's going to be handguns that are next. We know it's going to be uh, uh, trying to fine tune this supposed buyback scheme. But ultimately, no one is getting more free as this process unfolds. We've got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to Rod Giltaka here on The Andrew Lawton Show. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to The Andrew Lawton Show. One of the things that has come out of this just ridiculous announcement from Friday has been a bit of unity from the gun rights community. And one particular push is to get Bill Blair, out of his job. I want to talk about this and some other aspects of this with Rod Giltaka, CEO and Executive Director of the CCFR. Rod, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Andrew. So let's talk first off about Bill Blair here, because every time Bill Blair has said something about guns as the Liberals have been planning this, it's typically been wrong from, you know, talking about the assault rifle issue, talking about how police are apparently pushing for this, even though most of the comments I've seen have been against this type of gun control. Uh, Why is Bill Blair, in your view, the problem here?
2: Well, Bill Blair um, has has conducted himself... um He's been very disingenuous. Uh, he's pushed um, just clear. I'm trying to watch my language. He's lied to Canadians time and time again. Forget about watching the language when it comes to Bill Blair. Um, and he's lied to me in person uh, when we had the infamous Bill Blair uh, video. Um, and he's just yeah, he's just acted in such a way uh, that it's beneath the office of a government minister. And uh, and Canadians, uh, whether they know it or not, are. Um, they're the victims of it.
1: A point I raised earlier in the show is that the liberals made a, a big stink back in, I think it was 2014, about how it should be police and not politicians that are making these decisions. And it's interesting that now it, it seems like all politicians should be the ones having the power in their eyes.
2: Well, of course, right? So it's, again, they say one thing and they do another. The duplicity of the of the Trudeau government is, is actually worse than I've ever seen in, uh, in my life. And I've been around a little while. Um, but again, it's everything's for a political purpose. Leveraging Nova Scotia, what happened there? That's not a that story was not a gun control story. Uh, but um, nothing, nothing is, is out of bounds for this government.
1: So let's talk about the response, because I've spent a a bunch of the show already complaining, and I think there's reason to do that and talking about why things are wrong. But I also don't want this to become a a point of defeat for gun owners in Canada who, who number in the millions here. And I know that a lot of people have focused on the fact that it was an order in council and not going through parliament. I get concerned with that Uh, approach to it because i know that if they do go through parliament they're going to get the votes it's that simple right now so i I don't want to make that the the linchpin of this but but is there a response here that doesn't involve a change of government
2: well they are they're more than and than legally entitled to to file oics they can do that um the ccfr spent all weekend um talking with legal counsel and outside counsel as well to see what can be done. Uh, we're working on that. We should have an answer uh, shortly on whether there's anything, but the government's legally allowed to do that. And when it comes to legislation, they they have a majority government. The bloc will vote any way that the Liberals ask them to vote if there's something in it for Quebec. They are a, a provincial-centric federal party. So, you know, um, honestly, the only way to 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 get our rights back or even just to get these rifles back from this most recent ban is just a, a complete change of government. And not only that, but to hold the government that we elect uh, accountable. For. No, no, no easy answers, Andrew.
1: What do you make of the double standard ingrained in this between Indigenous Canadians and non-Indigenous Canadians? Because this is the point that I feel Kind of undercuts what the liberals are saying, which is that the guns themselves, rather than the owners, are the problem.
2: Well, the duplicity of of the Trudeau government, right, in action again. But you know, when it comes to that, a few I've had a few people ask about that, how I feel about uh, Aboriginals being able to hold on to their guns. I think they're talking specifically about the firearms that were previously non-restricted. They're not talking about ARs. Aboriginals were never allowed to. Hunt with ARs, regardless, as long you know, as far as I'm aware. Um, and the you know we we sat down uh, to a technical briefing right after this happened with public safety, and basically the situation there is that the Aboriginals who are hunting with any of these guns, let's say it's a stag ten or something, until so they find a suitable replacement. So um, I don't think specifically it's like okay, all you guys are exempt. It's I don't think it's really like that. It's not not that I want to defend them. Um, but, uh, but I don't think that's the way it was framed. And one of the other reasons why you saw this, and you also saw a two-year amnesty, and was overtly communicated to us during that briefing was, the government has no plan. They have no buyback plan, they have no nothing. And they had nothing to offer us. So what they did was, you know, it's funny, because I was doing interviews all morning, since three in the morning this morning, and you know, I was asked repeatedly, you know, what do you think of the timing of this? And I said, the timing was purely political. The Liberals are, are, are leveraging the suffering and the pain of Canadians to limit opposition to something that they shouldn't have done in the first place. And then the, the answer is, well, they, they promised to do this. And I'm like, yeah, five years ago, they've been promising, but they waited till now. And then you look at the regulation and it's extremely rushed. So, you know, this is, this is the state of the Liberal government of Canada right now.
1: That's actually a great point you raise about the lack of a plan because when Justin Trudeau was answering some of the questions or doing his version of that on Friday, uh, one of the things that he had pointed out was that we were going to be doing this anyway, and we were just getting ready to put it out before the pandemic happened, and you're right that if that were true— there would be a comprehensive plan, not just a list of 1,500 uh, guns or you know variants of guns just thrust out the door. So if it were the case that this was farther along, then why isn't there more to show for it?
2: Yeah, there's nothing to show for it. It's a, it's a plan that's cobbled together. Um, people in our community are very detail-oriented. I'm sure you're aware of that. So mm-hmm. I've seen posts on Facebook about like, well, what's ar15.com.com? How, how is that an, an, an AR model of AR? So there's all kinds of mistakes and, and there's, there's things that are left off the list and it just, yeah, it's, it's a mess. Um, uh, very similar to a lot of things that, that, uh, that this, uh, this crew does. Um, but I dunno, uh, again, it's all about politics and, uh, unfortunately, um, gun owners are sitting there no matter how much they comply, no matter how rules they follow, how many rules they follow, no matter how ridiculous. We're the the whipping boy for, for Liberals in Canada, unfortunately.
1: We're in a, a time right now of, of unparalleled and unrivaled economic challenge. You've got businesses that are shutting their doors, many of which won't be able to reopen. And gun stores have, by and large, been, I think, deemed non-essential across Canada. You know, when a lot of them reopen, what will the economic impact be? Or will there be an economic impact of, of this ban? I, I don't know how much, as a percentage of gun sales, AR-15s and Mini-14s are. But but is are you hearing from your members, because I know you've got members who are vendors here, that. This this will uh, strain them? Well,
2: anything right now is a strain,
1: like literally
2: anything. Mm-hmm. And these are unprecedented economic times. And I think the worst is yet to come uh, personally. Um, but I don't know, uh, you know, things like this. And and some people call this a knee-jerk reaction. It's not a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, this, is, this has been aimed at us for a long time. They just weren't prepared to do it. They saw their opportunity, so they took it. Um, I think anything, that affects uh, business volume. Anything that affects consumer spending is going to have a, a terrible effect. Everything's everything's magnified. Everything's compounded because of what's gone on with the COVID nineteen crisis. So it's it's a it's a lose lose for everybody.
1: What do you think the biggest thing missing from the discussion is? Because I've tried to explain over the course of different times this has come up, the problem with terms like assault rifle, assault weapon. I know that this uh, last week we've heard military grade more than than we've heard recently. But what do you think is really missing from this discussion that would help a lot of people that aren't necessarily part of your world and, and to a lesser extent my world would help them understand what's at stake here?
2: So that's an excellent question. And it's it's a critically important question to answer. So there's some, in our community, there's some very hard questions to answer. And what I find is after the, you know, the few questions are asked and satisfactory responses are given, it always ends up right down at the big question. Why do you need an AR-15? It's the hardest question to answer. I've been trying to explain to audiences and just recently the CBC 12 interviews in a row is that... Um, What people, not what non-gun owners have to understand is that people that own guns and specifically expensive, um, very specialized niche firearms like an AR-15 or some of the other guns on the banned list, people that own those are very detail-oriented, law-abiding, careful, vetted individuals. So the people that own those guns, their lives, these firearms are centric in their lives, they're central in, in who they are. So the people that they associate with, their social connections are all gun people. Um, they volunteer at their own expense, built 2000 clubs across the country. They volunteer, they hold charity events there, they hold social events, they do sports, they create new sports. Everything that they do in their lives have to do with their pursuit, whether it's you're into show dogs or you're into something else or you know skydiving or whatever it is, it's central to who these people are. So when you're when Trudeau says something like there's no place in Canada for guns like this, what we hear is there's no place in Canada for people. That's what people have to understand. Because they don't have a they don't have a factual basis to attack us because it's licensed gun owners do not represent a disproportionate risk to public safety. That's proven. In fact, I don't know if you ever saw that conversation I had with Bill Blair. I got him to admit that. So. Anyway, that's really important. It's not, it's not just a hobby. Go find a new hobby. Go find a new toy. It's not like that. And dismissing gun owners, millions of them, by the way, dismissing them like that is it's just not good behavior, whether it's about guns or anything else.
1: Yeah, you know, what the Liberals have tried to do here is draw a line in the sand and say that, you know, Grandpa's lever action is not in the same class as your Mini-14 or your AR-15, and sure, the guns are different, as many guns and variations are different, but the line that I found the most egregious is that these serve one purpose alone and one purpose alone only, and that's killing people, and to me, as someone who owns one of those guns, I'm like, wait, that like, what what is being said about gun owners here when the liberals say that the only purpose for these guns is killing people? No, that I mean, that, that's just not true. But you're right, there is something egregiously offensive in that. Well,
2: there is. So the 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 full line is they their firearms designs, these are guns designed to kill the most amount of people in the shortest amount of time. Yeah. And like, of what the Trudeau government says, people like Justin Trudeau and Bill Blair, it's an out and out lie. And that's a real problem. That's a problem for so many other reasons that we can get into later or some other time, right? But it's a lie. The AR-15, and I was actually wrong about this myself, was actually designed as a sporting or a hunting rifle first, and then it was adopted in the late 50s as a military rifle for the US military, because what manufacturer doesn't want to sell their product to the military, right? It's big dollars. So, and, but at the same time, I want to be fair to both sides of this argument. It doesn't matter what the origin of the firearm is. You know, the Remington 700 is a military sniper rifle, but it's the most bolt-action rifle and hunting in hunting in the world. So that's, that's beside the point. Now, if the only use for this gun was to kill as many people as fast as, as possible, then why is it being issued to the RCMP? Is that their mandate? If you want to look for guns that are designed for that purpose, you'll look at light machine guns, heavy machine guns, mortars. And what I've been telling people <laughs> that I've been interviewing with time and time again, this is not, an AR-15 is not a military grade assault rifle. No. Those have been banned since 1977. This is a semi-automatic rifle only that was certified by the RCMP for safe use in Canada.
1: Yeah, I think that's a hugely important point. and it, it I think it's really necessary to get through the whole Why do you need it? Problem. And and, I mean, I've sometimes gone the philosophical route on that, which is that we aren't a needs based society. But you're right. I mean, a lot of the lines that have been drawn here are are very arbitrary, very disingenuous. The one thing I would ask you in closing here, Rod, have you found, because I know you've got a lobbyist who is a a fantastic advocate, Tracy Wilson, have you found there is any willingness from anyone in the liberals to hear you out, to sit down and take your meeting in a way that suggests they are open minded? So I, I don't include that video you did with. Bill Blair here, because that was more him selling rather than him buying. But have you found anyone that you'd say was approaching this in earnest that potentially could be an advocate within the caucus?
2: So I'm going to say no. Um, the Liberals are um, in line because the, I think the Liberals, uh, uh, the the Liberal whip does a good job in keeping everybody in line. Even even back in the C-71 days, T.J. Harvey uh, from Eastern Canada was whipped into voting For bill c71 and and i know that he opposed it personally i i'm not making broad assumptions but he did meet with us and he knew that this was a political solution again i'm not speaking directly for him i want to be careful about that um and then he chose not action so maybe that says something um this is entirely ideological and you know i don't want to put too fine of a point on it but doing things the way that the liberals are doing is incredibly divisive it is incredibly corrosive to national unity. There was a, around 2, 200,000 people affected by this ban, and this is not it. This is only the beginning. Yes, there will be no firearms by the time that they're they're done. If they got another majority government, I assure you. And um, yeah, I don't think there's uh, there's we just have they have to be thrown from government and a replacement put in that's going to just be fair to Canadians, not specifically just to gun owners.
1: Rod Giltaka, CEO and Executive Director of the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights. Thanks for your work and uh, thanks for coming on today, Rod. Thanks, Andrew. That does it for me. We'll be back in another couple of days here with more of Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show. Thank you, God bless, and good day, Canada.
0: Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.